Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome back to the latest edition of Until Saturday. I'm Ari Wasserman, joined by David Ubbin. And Dave, it's kind of hit me that the season, the regular season anyway, is over, and I'm sad. How are you? have you been holding up since the Sunday show and the snub of Florida State? Still mad about Florida State, i got to be honest. Still tired from traveling. Uh- <laughs> Dude was in Vegas this week, and he, he went out with a bang. Uh, he didn't <laughs> bet on sports or... Uh, go to a nightclub or listen to live music or see a show. He he got a crepe and he got the hell out of there. So now um, I will say, sorry, so- I did. I did experience the sphere. I went inside the sphere. Unfortunately, my flight left too early for you two uh, on Wednesday night. So I went and saw the uh, the. It's like a nature movie, basically, just to just to uh, basically give the sphere all of its abilities on display. And it only crystallized my opinion that it's a top five attraction in America. It's unbelievable. Well, I can't imagine. Think about all the new exotic meats you can try after watching the show. It must have been fun. <laughs> um, so the season is over, but the postseason is beginning. Uh, we thought this would be an appropriate time, as we usually are together on Thursday for the pick show, uh, to revisit the very first Until Saturday show, which was taking reader hot takes and revisiting whether or not you guys were right or wrong. And let me tell you. I think of the 10 that we picked, they were all very wrong. It'll be fun to go back and look at uh, the way that those worked out and what we were thinking before the season, and it gives us a new uh, lens through which we can look at how the season went. But first, let me formally welcome everybody to Until Saturday. Deion Sanders got another five-star prospect late in the process in Jordan Seaton on Thursday morning. We're going to get into that. Um, We have uh, the golden hot takes from both us and the fans that we're going to go through. Uh, We're going to have a Heisman Trophy discussion. I think we know who's going to win the trophy, unfortunately, but it's still going to be a fun thing to go through. And we'll have NFL writer, Vikings writer, Alec Lewis, who has a story dropping about Jaden Daniels offseason prep that helped him reach this Heisman finalist status. Um, He's going to talk to us about how he did that. It's going to be an exciting story that's running on The Athletic here shortly. Please like and comment and subscribe on YouTube if you're listening to us in podcast form. And if you're watching this on YouTube, obviously you can find us on the podcast. The links to both of those things can be shown. Uh, found in the show's description. Also, leave a voicemail or text the Until Saturday phone line at 316-462-9852 if you want to participate in the Sunday Sound Off show. We will be returning on Sunday evening, I believe at 8 Eastern, 7 Central this week. Again, that is 316-462-9852 for Sunday Sound Off. We'd love to hear your voicemails, your thoughts, your opinions, um, anything that you have to say now that the season's over and we're heading into bowl season, and of course, the college football playoff. Sign up for the Until Saturday newsletter where you get your daily fill of college football news delivered right to your inbox. You don't have to be signed up for The Athletic, but now is a good time to do so because one-year gift subscriptions are $19.99 for one year. Um, Two years is $39.99. All you got to do is visit theathletic.com slash gift sale. All the links to the things that I just described, because I know it's overwhelming, can be found in the show's description. And now, 
I'm going to kick it over to Dave, who is going to do a little quick two-minute drill with some of the news that has been popping up between our last show and now. Been a newsy week, Ari, and we should get started. Uh, First off, Michigan working toward a contract extension with Jim Harbaugh. $11 million, five years, uh, Sports Illustrated's Richard Johnson with an interesting caveat. Mm -hmm. You can't pursue NFL jobs. Interesting. Seemed like That's that had run its course. For. That's yeah, what the money seemed, is for. <laughs> it seemed like the Harbaugh-Michigan marriage had run its course, but maybe not. Uh, Duke is targeting Penn State defensive coordinator Manny Diaz to be its head coach. It's not finalized yet, per our uh, Nicole Auerbach, but it'd be a very interesting hire. Obviously, Manny was the head coach at Miami. He's been around a bunch of big places, um, you know, obviously at Texas, and uh, now he's you know been at Penn State. Developed their defense. Uh, that'd be a nice hire for Duke. That's a tough job. Um, and I think you could attract a pretty good OC there. Also, Holy Cross head coach Bob Chesney moving up as James Madison's next head coach. Uh, Holy Cross has been to four FCS playoffs since 2018. Kansas replacing Andy Kotelnicki, who went to Penn State uh, as their OC, uh, bringing in Jeff Grimes. Uh, Jeff Grimes really thrived uh, at Baylor with the Mormon Manziel, Zach Wilson, uh, that that offense in 2020 was a lot of fun. Came over to Baylor uh, under Dave Aranda. Kind of got away from him this year, but Jeff's a really good offensive coach, and uh, I think that'd be a really interesting hire. The Kotelnicki Lance Leipold uh, pairing has been together a long time, but uh, you know, fresh blood can always be interesting. Uh, American Athletic Conference Commissioner Mike Oresco retiring. He's one of the color- most colorful personalities in the sport, um, and and we're gonna miss him. Uh, there have uh, uh, in his statement, he said there have been some disappointments and difficulties along the way, most notably the P5, G5, Divide, Realignment, CFP access for our deserving teams. He's always pushed for that. And a lot of Texas A&M players in the portal. Tyreek Chappelle, Fidel Diggs, Chase Basantis, Jake Johnson, and Walter Nolan, and Trevor Etienne. Also in the portal, he's gone from Florida. And we're over time, but Charlie Baker, most notably, proposes a new subdivision of football. That, in short, will allow schools to compensate athletes directly. You can make your own rules. Uh, we'll cover this a little bit more thoroughly on Power Hour tomorrow. But it's been a newsy week, Ari. Yeah, it has. I mean, I, I think that, you know, the middle of December usually is uh, mm-hmm. when you think about all the coaches that are, are being hired and fired. But now with the portal opening up, um, combine that with the dust settling with the college football playoff announcement and um, you know, the transfer portal, all that stuff. It's just like, it's an insane month. I had to laugh so, to myself, Ari, because I was, so on Tuesday morning, we ran a column that I wrote talking about how the culture ball calendar is kind of irreparably broken. Um, you have coaching changes that are still happening, obviously, and the, some of those are moving earlier. The portal opens. Early signing period is in 13 days. And you have bowls, but now... We're, if this was next year, we'd be two days away from the first playoff games. The calendar's broken, and, and I was in Las Vegas this week for the um, the Hall of Fame inductions Viva. and the Sports Business Journal. Yeah, and I'm telling you, I think it was at least four or five of the people that were on forums as athletic directors or administrators or commissioners were talking about we got to fix the calendar. I'm not sure how exactly you fix it. I think one of the ideas I heard was that you spend December retaining your roster and then the portal opens a little bit later and then you can sort of pursue your roster. Ah, you run into some, some stickiness there, but 
I don't know what you fix because you're tied to the academic calendar. I, I would encourage you to read that column. Um, well, also, too, like last year, trouble. Dave, I don't know if you read this, but I wrote a story um, talking to a few coaches, like Brian Kelly and a few other people, about what it's like to get hired at a program seven days before the early signing period starts. Yeah. You know, like the the, the fact that, you know, these first-year head coaches at new places have a week in some cases to keep a class together and well, to sign players now. is also – you know, early, yeah, getting hired that that that's late. Everyone now forget early signing that for like two years, three years. Early signing was kind of the, the demarcation. Now it's portal day. If you don't have somebody in place the Monday after uh, mm-hmm. the championships, you're behind the eight ball because you're has Iowa hired an offensive co- as Iowa hired an offensive coordinator yet. I will do it if they would like. I have a lot of experience calling plays on Madden and uh, NCAA uh scripting i can't wait to stuff. pump you next year when that game comes back out i'm just gonna <laughs> we got gonna... Ari. we got a stream we're, we're both get it we've got a stream on twitch i think that we should playing. i we feel should like that'd be a great episode listeners <laughs> and we have to create like a online dynasty where everybody yeah who listens to the show picks a team and then we all recruit against each other and play against each other that'd be a hell of a time so bring we'll, all we'll see what happens i'll listen you give me a couple weeks to get in shape and and figure out kind of what I want to do, who I want to use, and and personnel, buddy. I'm, I'm gonna I had give, a I'm gonna give people this work. I had a 124 game winning streak online. Um, That's pretty impressive, Ari. Also, though, with the caveat that I only like would take matches with people with terrible records because I was obsessed with the streak, and then my streak broke because my internet went out and it and I broke my <laughs> controller. Uh, fun times. I can't wait to get that stuff back. Ari, why don't remind we go- me to never make you an athletic director in charge of scheduling for a program. <laughs> <laughs> you would ruin the sport. Wait, well, this year it might have worked out for you. <laughs> That's true. You know, there was some thought about that. So why don't we go back to the beginning of the 2023 season on July 24th. We published an episode called Bold Fan Takes for this year. Many of you submitted your best hot takes and many of you guys were wrong. Um, these are the coldest takes from the preseason. Our thoughts about the opinions and retrospect are going to be as follows. So uh, first, you know, because Florida State got boned on, on Sunday, I don't think I've actually taken the time on this podcast to uh, come out of the the poop-infested tunnel that uh, <laughs> was in... Uh, Take your victory what, lap, that? Ari. What's the uh, Shawshank, Shawshank. What was? Yeah. What's the main character's name? Oh, Dufresne. Yeah, Andy Dufresne, Andy Dufresne. coming out into the water <laughs> as the rain dr- comes down, <laughs> looking up into freedom, <laughs> washing uh, the away first all the memories of the last fifteen years of Texas football. Is from Coach Wider, who is at Football Coach seventy nine. I think he's a pretty regular listener. So if you're still here, we appreciate you um, giving us your hot take. But his was Texas goes eight and four. Sorry, Ari. <laughs> <laughs> no mas. Are we? Are Eat we? Your are horns we, up. This is, I nailed it. I you did, absolutely Ari. nailed it. There's they not only did they beat <laughs> Alabama, the only game they lost is the only game in the Big Twelve that I think is a forgivable loss. Yes, and they just did not lose to a bad team this year, and they made the college football playoff. They didn't really. Here's the thing, Ari. I, it's not even that they didn't lose to a bad team. They didn't have a game where they like should have lost. Houston is probably the closest one. Kansas, uh, they kind of messed around with. Well, but I, if you have your backup quarterback, Ari, I, I'm willing to just like give you a pass and just say yeah. you won that game. And Kansas State's good. Kansas State's a good team. Kansas State, Ari, is the best team. Well, maybe Louisville. But Kansas State is like the best team the SEC beat in non-conference this year. But the best, the thing that we have to do is 
if we're going to frame a program or a team as a national championship contender, mm-hmm. we can't bang on the drum about how awesome beating Kansas State is. And that's not I'm to not, say that, Kansas State's been, not good. But, but that's like, been what's held them back for so long, Ari, is they've done dumb things. They've that's lost what I'm games. Saying. They count. Like, what are you doing? They almost lost the Kansas State game, and it would have been to a solid opponent. But let's not pretend like if they would have lost that game, that that wouldn't be the exact reoccurrence of what we were trying to avoid here. I would so, not have said that for Kansas State. Your backup quarterback against a good team. I would not have. That did not count to me. On the road at Iowa State, I would have counted that. <laughs> but now I just want to take this a step forward. And again, Coach Weider, we appreciate you um, coming in here with this take. But like, I actually am starting to buy into the notion that Texas could win this whole thing right now. They can. Why can't like, they? I yeah, I, I'm saying they are the second most talented team in college football or in this in this thing. So alive. Mm-hmm. They're favored by four in the first round in Michigan. I, you know, to, I'm scared about them in the playoff. Michigan's favored by one and a half. The line's not moving. Vegas likes Michigan. Everybody's on Alabama. Michigan scares the hell out of me in terms of a team that could beat Alabama. But I think that Texas would match up really well with Michigan too. So. Um, it's not just make the playoff. It's like they could win the national championship this year. I and still, I think that, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not going to go. Go ahead, Ari. Just, I just don't know about uh, Xavier Worthy. I mean, he was in a walking boot at the end of the Big 12 championship game. I don't know if we've gotten an update mm-hmm. yet on how severe that injury was. Obviously, Jonathan Brooks is out for the year. But when you think about the receivers on the field in this playoff, the only other team that's got better receivers than them is the team that they're playing uh, in the semifinal. Mm-hmm. And that's Romo Dunze and the boys down there at Washington. So it's uh, really nice to see that Texas did it. Now it's not cute anymore to like pick them. They've done it. Now it's a question of whether or not they're recruiting at a level that they can sustain the success as now it becomes a a Mm -hmm. necessity that they make the playoff in the 12 team field coming out of a different conference. So and um, they're favored in their first playoff game. Yes. You know, I mean, they've got the, they've got the players to do it. I think their lines are very good. All the same reasons why I picked them to make the playoff still exist, except, yeah. you know, they're down a running back. But if Quinn Ewers, you know, has another month to prepare for this and, and takes a few steps forward, you know, A.D. Mitchell, J.T. Sanders, Xavier Worthy is healthy. Like, they have a ton of firepower and are a very hard team to defend. And they've got a pretty sneaky good defense that people don't give them enough credit for. Mm-hmm. Um, Washington is a very balanced team, and I was very impressed by what they did to Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game. I think that's going to be an awesome game to watch, but it certainly is. Washington's think got some work to do on the line of scrimmage. Yeah, Texas has an inside track. I mean, if I had to pick who would win that game right now, it would be Texas just based on their lines. Um, but they did it. And I, w- mm-hmm. I just like, I, can't, I would be a phony if I didn't also acknowledge that I've picked Texas to do this before and have been wrong. So this isn't just like me being brilliant. Like there have been times where, you know, I looked at Texas and thought, well, they're the fifth or sixth most talented team in college football. Of course, they're going to win the Big 12. And then they would lose four times. But I will say that this one is the first time that I truly popped my head under the hood and looked at the way the lines were constructed, looked at the skill position players and, you know, felt good about the quarterback, felt good about the defense and and said with the schedule that they have this year, Oklahoma isn't a peak version of itself, even though they lost that game. Um, Alabama wasn't a peak version of itself earlier in the year um, that they could actually do it. And I'm proud to say that they've done it. So now it'll Mm -hmm. be fun to see how it goes, but certainly, uh, there was a good shtick for the show of Ohio, um, <laughs> Ohio State homer sweats out Texas games. Well, that was like a, <laughs> that was like my fun, fun year long thing. But now I can 
you know, to finally do one of these horns up and it not be a funny one. So good job, yeah. Texas. Congratulations. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Before we move on to the next take, Ari, it's worth touching on the other matchup. I've been, I've been alluding to this idea all offseason, which is that the... Monster defenses of Michigan and Ohio State and Penn State are mm-hmm. paper tigers is unfair, but not as good as people think they are. Let me roll down the list of offenses that that uh, Ohio State, or that Michigan has faced this year: East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, Rutgers, Nebraska, Minnesota, Indiana, Michigan State, Purdue, Penn State, Maryland, Ohio State, Iowa. Other than Ohio State as a total offense, UNLV might be the best offense that they played, and that was game two of a new coaching regime. And if you look at the list of quarterbacks that they played, I mean, I guess Kyle McCord would be the best one, and he's in the portal right now. I mean, Talia, I guess you could put in there, but he didn't have a great year. All I'm saying is the three offenses that are in the playoff right now compared to what Michigan have played has played are in another stratosphere based on what they have faced. And you're going to have to score in these games. We are, you talk about it all the time. It's true in the playoff in 2023 in college football. I don't care how good your offer, or your defense is, you're going to need points. And I, it's interesting. I think I read somewhere that, that uh, Vegas was taking like unbelievable amounts of money on the Alabama money line. I buy that. And the fact that the line hasn't moved is interesting as you alluded to. Well, this is your number one thing that you're scared of in Vegas when the large majority of action is on one side and the line. And doesn't it doesn't move. move. Exactly. Yeah. But I, I, I don't know. I, I trust my eyes on this. I was surprised that they were favored. Uh, maybe we'll be really wrong on this, but or maybe we get a breakthrough J.J. McCarthy game. And But I just I, you look to around be clear, at the Big Ten. To be clear, mm-hmm. everybody thinks Alabama's going to win, right? 
Most, I think. Have so. you seen a lot of people out here saying this is a good matchup for Michigan? No. They're going to win this game by anyone. Not really. And they're favored. Yeah, it's. I would have been convinced that Michigan was going to lose. I'm not convinced that they're going to lose now. The Vegas part of it is confusing to me. Yeah. Again, they don't. Uh, I was in Vegas. I saw all the hotels uh, fresh in my mind. They don't get those because they're wrong very often. So. Yeah. So, okay, well, I mean, it's a nice little segue into the next one. I think that you and Chandler Hall at uh, Chan Price <laughs> both were in agreement on this and in, in no, beautiful no, no, alignment no, no, no. in August. I picked Bama to go to the playoff, if you remember. I was just kidding about that. No, I don't remember so. that at all, Dave. Uh, <laughs> Chandler Hall has or had Alabama going 9-3, and three, and I think that you were very much in alignment on that notion as a result of question marks at multiple places on that team. Yeah. and. It turned out that that was wrong. Maybe it was right, but the yeah, this is the one where the spirit of the take was technically sort of correct, and the outcome was not particularly that close to correct. Um, all of the things that we highlighted in the preseason were problems for Alabama. They fixed some of them, but they still don't protect particularly well, and they survived some ridiculous ball games. Double digit deficit to Tennessee. Uh, they almost blew a huge lead to Arkansas. How many times have you listed this off on the show? Enough times. I'm like just saying. Like nine times now? I'm just saying. What are you saying, just going Ari? to just be like, this team might win the national title this year? They might win the national championship. Uh, but okay. I'm just saying, if you play that season out a hundred times, Bama does go nine and three like 30 or 35 of those times. Yeah. I'm trying to. I mean, listen. <laughs> how many times could the end of the Auburn game happen? Out of a hundred, uh, like that was like a, a one, like a one or twice a out of yes. out of a hundred. Yes. So they that in itself, I can understand why you would think that you know Alabama could be a two loss team, and they really were almost two loss team ten days ago, or whatever it is, fourteen days ago, and they're here now. But also too, I think that sticking to the notion that Alabama could have or should have lost games that it didn't also dismisses the coaching job that Nick Saban did. And the vast production increase and development that we've seen under their quarterback, who have now put them in a position to be this good. Um, well, I think so the point like, of it is just Alabama both things has can be like, right. Alabama has maybe, I mean, I, we, it's hard to know because team talent composite is not that new, is not that old of a stat. But Alabama was on the short list of, from pure recruiting sense, the most talented rosters that we've ever seen in the sport in terms of pure recruiting. But you actually looked at them and you said, this is not going to be a dominant team. And Alabama's had a lot of dominant teams. And that is sort of what I'm pointing to. Not that this season is fraudulent. I do think it's one of Nick Saban's best coaching jobs. And the fortitude and mental toughness of this team to rally and to win games and to keep chopping wood and all that stuff is impressive. But this was not a very dominant Alabama team. And I think it's weird to me. Well, not weird. I just think it's telling that this team that's this talented on paper Wins the SEC and Nick Saban is treating it like an accomplishment rather than just sort of checking a box and moving on to the next thing. I think he knows that this team, you know, was nine and three adjacent. <laughs> also, maybe giving yourself a little bit of a key into maybe why Michigan's favored too in that statement. Well, but we thought that was going to be the case against Georgia too. I thought I talked to, you know, I was talking to Kenny in the press box and, I, and I, our, our Alabama writer and I was saying, hey, Alabama, 
all those close games that we that we we talked about, those teams were not that well equipped to expose the weaknesses in Alabama. The Georgia team that showed up in Atlanta, if you looked at them, what was Georgia's weakness this year, Ari? Did they have one? I don't think they really think, had one. I think Georgia's weakness this year was being an 8 out of 10 at most places instead of a 9 or 10 out of 10 at most places. Yeah. Okay. Okay. The pass rush wasn't... I mean, just the front seven, just based on what we've seen from Georgia the last couple of years, we were... We're not, that was not as They were very we're good everywhere. I don't think there was an overt weakness, but what I think that was lacking from this team that the last two had was absolute excellence at multiple position groups that you could say. Yeah, that's like, fair. Like, wait, who was there? They didn't tight have a, the only one where you're like, the only one where only Brock one. Bowers exists, but like they didn't have an interior defensive tackle that could collapse the entire offense with his right arm. Yeah. Uh, this year they didn't have, I mean, the running backs were pretty good, but they didn't have like the most dynamic running back in the world. Mm-hmm. Who's their top receiver, lad McConkey. And he was out for half the year. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't, it just, they have good teams and they're very deep and they're talented. But like I think it's kind of the same thing that went wrong with Alabama a little bit. It's like, you know, you said we looked at this team and saw one of the most talented teams on paper we've ever seen, but we knew it wasn't going to be a good team. And it's like, or it wasn't going to be a complete team or one of the dominant typical team. Alabama dominant teams. Mm-hmm. And why is that? Because Jalen Waddle wasn't on that list? Because Tua wasn't on that list? Maybe. I mean, we're talking about a I mean, we're talking about a team that went to the playoff with Blake Sims, you know, less than ten years ago. Yeah. And you saw what happened. And that makes me wonder if Michigan is equipped to do something similar to that the more we talk about it. So, um Maybe. I'm I'm intri- I'm intrigued by the game. The the Vegas thing is really uh I probably but the point was I thought Georgia was going to be the team that was good enough to expose a lot of the weaknesses that Georgia that Alabama has that we'd seen all year and they were not. Alabama coached around it, especially after that first drive um where Georgia just cooked them. And then that was pretty much it. It was tough sledding for Georgia's offense the rest of the ball game. So, credit to Alabama. You know, I think this was like the the going nine and three was not crazy. And for them to be in the playoff is a credit to the coaching staff. I think Kevin Steele, Tommy Reese, they caught a lot of uh, uh, a lot of doubters over the offseason. And, uh, you know, they proved him wrong. Shout out to those guys. All right. Next one here, Dave. Connor Samuel at C Sam's seven on Twitter. Brent Venables will not make it to the SEC. Well, besides the money aspect of this, which at the time we we pointed out that, you know, Brent's contract is fully guaranteed, which is wild for a first time head coach. But beyond the monetary aspect, the 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 uh the spirit of the take is that maybe he wouldn't be gone, but people would want him gone, and that has not happened. Uh, you know, it seems like Jackson Arnold was getting ready to take over for them. They're in pretty good position. He fixed the defense. The offense was a little bit better. Um, you know, Jeff Levy's off to Mississippi State, but Seth Luttrell was already on staff as an analyst. I think that really usually works well. Um, Seth Luttrell, obviously very uh, in tune with Oklahoma, in tune with Brent Venables. That should be a pretty seamless transition, and and Seth is a really good offensive coach as well. Um, so having a coach, I mean, having your OC that you already have familiar with um, spend a year coaching and watching the personnel where he can come in and doesn't have to do an assessment. He kind of knows what they have, knows what they're running. I think they're going to look pretty similar um, to, to what Jeff Levy was running last year. Um, So Oklahoma's in a really good spot, not as good of a spot as Texas, but Oklahoma will be fine. And Brent Venables, I think will make it to the sec. 
This was very yeah. Uh, well, I think that was just like they didn't think they were going to start eight zero and beat Texas. Like, I mean, the yeah. second that that happened, that the discussion was over. But the thing I like what Brent Venables is doing is that you know he's kind of building this the long way a little bit, where you have some sustainability to it. You know, and not only is he flipping the roster little by little with the portal, but he's signing two of the best classes that Oklahoma's ever had in back to back years in his first two years as the head coach. And, you and, know those, sorry. and those classes are also diverse, too. They've got offensive linemen and defensive linemen. It's not just receivers and, and quarterbacks. They're getting positions all over the field. So, you know, if you go back and you look at, you know, Oklahoma's defensive performance this year, you go back and I, and I think that they only gave up more than 30 points twice all year, and they only lost one of them. So that, to me, is is a nice step in the right direction. And, you know, Brent Venables is like a really powerful – he can, like, capture your attention. Like, when I went up to yeah. Norman last summer – and he was like explaining to me his viewpoint. Like I was like, man, I, I could get behind this guy. Like, and I don't know if I just get if I'm just gullible and I just get, you know, sucked into the lure of the coach I'm visiting with. Whenever I go up to, you know, Mac Brown sold me on the vision too, and that one's kind of gone astray. But it's just like I can see it working there with that guy. He yeah, seems Prince, to understand it, and he's, he's a got good, a good coach. coach rasp voice. Yeah, the elite raspy voices. Uh, him and him and Gary Patterson need to have a rasp off at some point. But you know what? You know what I think, Ari? You know what helps him, too? What really helps him, frankly? Huh. They were a lot better than USC this year. Yes. A were. lot better. A lot better. A lot better. And that um, that doesn't hurt. Yeah, they were 81st in total defense this year. So I don't know if that means that he completely fixed the defense. But they were 30, 41st total, tied with Mizzou in total uh, defense with points or points allowed, and that was 22 points a game, which is a really good number if you're running offense the way that Oklahoma does. So, you know, total defense, I think, is probably less important than scoring defense because ultimately what matters is how many points the team scores that you're playing. Where are they ranking yards per play? I can't get CFB stats to load up for me. Why does it do that? I was just having the same problem. I'll have to I come don't back know. to it's, that. But, it's um, dead. I don't know. But we're we're podcasting now. We can't just try to fight browser crashes. But I fixed um, it. Never mind. I fixed all it. All right. Yeah. Do, 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 Ari, where do, do you think do, they do. finished in yards per play? Because I think that's way more important than total defense. Where do you think they finished? Uh, in the 60s. 55th. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good guess. Yeah. Ahead of Missouri. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just like, I, I think that, you know, both Texas and Oklahoma are going to be in for a rude awakening in terms of, you know, how difficult the week to week existence in the SEC is going to be. But it's just, uh, uh, I think both have the right coaches right now and we'll see how they progress into that new conference. It'll be fun. Okay. Yeah. Let's just try to pick up the speed here a little bit because we're really burning through time. Mm-hmm. Drew at D-Naw, N-A-U-G-H-10, says Penn State will make the playoff and finish 12-1. and All that basically means is that Penn State would beat Ohio State or Michigan. Yeah. All right. Penn State is ranked. In, they're ranked in the top 10, and it feels like they are miles from the playoff. Mm-hmm. I couldn't. I mean, I, I get why. They're I mean, in the Penn top State's 10, the poster just, child. Why I used to be anti-expansion. Yeah, because yeah. like they, they, the fans in State College probably feel really crappy about the fact that James Franklin wasn't able to beat the either of the two teams on the schedule that they were tasked. Uh, not to beat. even that he wasn't able to beat them. 
Didn't have a Barely chance really to win. Barely um, competitive. And then next year, that'll be rewarded with a playoff slot. And it's just like, that's like, just like yeah. so blah to me. They might fix it next year. Andy. I love Andy Kotelnicki is a fantastic OC hire for them. I was talking to yeah, some people about it in Vegas. I'm just saying the system can't exist that way where it's like your team had a dog shit season by their standard and they're rewarded with playing for a national yeah, title. That's it's fair. Like, do you think that Penn State should be playing for a national title? I mean, if Ole Miss can, why can't why can't Penn State? I mean, do you think that Penn State did enough on the field this year to be to have earned the right to compete for a national championship? Well, that's up to the committee, and they're all knowing, Ari. Okay, so that's all not right. up to you're me. not you're not I, picking up saying, what I'm laying down. Here. I'm just saying. It, listen, he hired. I was talking to people. You look at Brennan Marion at UNLV, Jamie Chadwell at Liberty, and Andy Kotelnicki at Kansas now at Penn State. Those are the three guys that are doing like the most innovative stuff offensively in the country, and now one of them is coaching at Penn State. What's this, his fifth coordinator? I'm not gonna. I don't disagree with you. Okay. All I'm saying is, he no, hired he's a great a guy coach. And, he did. He yes. hired somebody that had created one of the most fun watch offenses to watch in college football. Behind mm-hmm. when healthy, one of the most explosive offensive weapons that was in the sport this year. It'll be very interesting to see how that translates. How much James Franklin medals. Uh, there has been a lot of turnover at Penn State at the coordinator positions, and it looks like they might lose Manny Diaz too. So um, I don't know what's going on there, but I don't think that anything that Penn State did this year, whether it be this year or next year, should be warred with postseason gratification because it was a complete dumpster fire that ultimately led to the offensive coordinator being fired in the middle of the year. So it's just I like want to see them play other teams. I, I this is all right. This is more of your Ohio State. You theory. you. You want to see them play other teams that aren't as good as the actual teams that should be playing for the national championship? No, I just think banging okay. your head against Ohio State and Michigan every year that gets old. That is I'm, the I'm curious. point of being a national champion. National champion. I'll be excited to see the 12 teams Okay, good. Already. Then you can watch the Cotton Bowl this year and watch the teams that aren't good enough. <laughs> you got a front row seat to Mizzou on that one, okay? That's going to be a All fun right. game. I'm covering it. Paul Greer Jr. says Shador Sanders will find his way to the Heisman finalist list. Shador was better than I think anyone thought he was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I haven't looked at his season-long numbers. It obviously tailed off a little bit there at the end. I pointed well, he out that they're going to He wasn't stat padding. I'm just kidding. I just like saying it every time someone <laughs> says it. I like, I like, you know, they had a really good receiver group. But I pointed this out at the at the start of the season many times. That offensive line play, if it's really good, has a way of making average skill position talent look great. And if it's really bad, has a way of making really good skill position talent look pretty average. And I think that happened a lot toward the end of the season. To say nothing of the offensive coordinator mess, um, which was precisely that. But this was extremely wrong. Uh, I, I got a little buzz. The first three or four weeks, so credit to them for at least getting in the mix. But with hindsight, this was still a team that did not beat a team that is in the bowl season. TCU was ranked top twenty when they played them. They finished five and seven, maybe four and eight. I think five and seven. Um, you know, Nebraska five and seven. Colorado State, I think they were four and eight. Arizona State was three and nine. I think so. Those are your four wins. The Heisman stuff was fool's gold at the start. So, Wrong. I got Travis Hunter in the last round of our fantasy draft, our Heisman fantasy draft, mm-hmm. and I was feeling really good about it because I feel like if Colorado would have been like a seven-win team this year, and they well, were and in exciting games, and if he stayed healthy, 
that he was the exact type of person that like people would I could envision people wanting to vote for. He did a win guy the Paul who, Horning who, Award. Um, yeah, so I understand the thought process, but also too, I think that we all, myself included, bought a little bit too much stock in that program at the beginning of the year and got caught up in the hype. So we'll, talk we'll see. We're going to talk more about that later on in the show when we get into the Jordan Seaton discussion. But um, lastly, from Forbin one two two at Forbin one two two, Cade Klubnik will be on the stage during the Heisman presentation this year. I mean, I guess if you want to buy a ticket, go there. Uh, what are you saying? Like he would, he would like jump, like pass security and then run onto the stage. No, if you bought a ticket and then after everybody kind of mingles, you could. You could like stage. grab a trophy and like take a picture with it. Uh, sure. Yeah. Probably maybe before you'd have better. Life. Again, I, I remember being where we were when we did that podcast and like the notion of Clemson, a top five team in the two, four, seven sport composite is going to be undefeated. They're going to fix their offense with a brand new coordinator who was related to <laughs> one of the uh, brightest offensive minds in the sport. Uh, Dabo Sweeney kind of handing over the, the reins to that offensive coordinator and a five-star quarterback who's coming in with some more experience, ready to rip it. Like, I could totally understand and see how we could get to that point, especially considering the fact that as we um, transition into our hot takes from before the year started, that your hot take was two ACC teams would be undefeated at the end of the year uh, going into the we got ACC one. championship. We got one. But I think the other one in your mind was probably Clemson, right? So if you... If you no, this was our it was our midseason take. The other one in my mind, I will leave un I will leave nameless. Who was it? Uh, it starts with a U and it ends with an N C. Yeah. <laughs> you almost went heart, undefeated. Man. They the were like, is, listen, the they thing- were three, four losses away, five, six, you know, maybe ten touchdowns away from being undefeated there at the end of the year. So it's close. It's close. UNC does a really, really good job of sucking you in. Because you want to believe. And their schedule were, was really easy down the stretch. I was like, hey, they can get there. Yeah, they actually could get there, and they lost some games that they shouldn't have lost, like always. And um, I didn't think just, they were that good. I thought they'd be benefiting from the schedule. But uh, yeah, you know, if you're not that good, the schedule has a way of making you pay regardless of who it is. And that's Dave, in my hot take, before the year started, sounded like crazy for everyone, was that Drake May would be selected before Caleb Williams in the NFL draft. I've already seen countless headlines from NFL draft experts discussing how Drake May is a more complete prospect. I think that Caleb Williams, a star fell a little bit in terms of just like the star power of it mm-hmm. um, because of the way that UFC season went. Um, okay. Let's go to five-star offensive tackle. Jordan Seaton committing to Colorado. Um, Hayes Fawcett from on three reported this um, this morning. And I think what was interesting is that, there was some buzz about Ohio State. Um, there was some buzz about Tennessee. Colorado did not make, like, visited two or three weeks ago and did not make his final list. And Dave and I were texting about how, like, bad of a look that was. And it turns out that it was just a ploy and he committed to Colorado out of the blue. It hits continuing, harder. And it's continuing. Harder it's a surprise. And actually, now, like, looking back at it, it was like, that's pretty obvious. Like, it should have been pretty obvious because Colorado. I mean, you just give the team that you just visited the benefit of the doubt by putting it on the graphic, even if you're not going there. The I fact that they weren't should have been a tale. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you had a bad experience. But um, this is the third consecutive year with Dion as a head coach that he has had December 
fireworks. The first year was Travis Hunter flipping him from Florida State to Jackson State. Last year was Cormani McLean, the five-star corner that was committed to Miami, flipping at the 11th hour to Colorado. And now um, a five-star offensive and tackle um, that is a position of great need is now going to Colorado and Jordan Seaton, who had options, um, basically every offer in the country. And I got to tell you, I, I don't know. It seems bizarre to me. That's all. I, I'll let you go. But like, mm-hmm. it, I do not understand why a five-star offensive tackle who likely needs to develop would go play there. Because, because we don't know be, how long Dion's going to be there. Because NFL quarterback. Well, but it's the portal era, Ari. Doesn't matter. Yeah. If something changes, you can you can change. Yeah. The the stakes for your high school decision have never been lower. They were pretty high not that long ago. They're not now. You can go I'm somewhere just saying, and say, hey, in order the, to go to Colorado, changes, you have to you have to gamble a little bit. Because no, there's nobody No, you don't. You really don't. You don't. You don't think that like the coaching at Colorado from a developmental standpoint at your position for your viability in the NFL is worse at Colorado than at other places? Yes, but if you want the experience of playing at Colorado and playing for Dion, you pretty much know what it's going to be next year, and it helps that they landed Phil Lodeholt. Uh, he'd kind of been recruiting for them for a little bit. So He's a first-year offensive line coach, though, right? I know that. Okay, I know that. Yeah. If you're talking about developing into an NFL player and that part of the gamble, I, I would agree. Because I think Dion leans a lot on, oh, we want to be get guys to the league, be an NFL developmental place, and all of that, and that's a big part of their pitch. And if you look at like, like who, <laughs> you haven't been coaching that long, so you don't like you were in the NFL, but you got, like so that part of the pitch is sort of a, a faith aspect. Well, my of it. thing to me is that if somebody goes to Colorado, they are being sold on the notion that in year three. They will be starting for a program that is still led by Dion and a draftable prospect by then. And I feel like of all the sales pitches that he could have given Jordan Seaton, the thought process that he will be Colorado's coach in three years and he will be a developed projected first round draft pick at left tackle for the Colorado Buffaloes does not strike me as plausible. Well, because he's not even doing it with like, that's the thing that's interesting. We were just talking about his, you know, uh, we've seen on Twitter the last day or so, um, in home visits with Kirby Smart and Nick Saban and Dan Lanning and all these great coaches, where's Dion? Like he's not approaching the program that way. You are yeah. saying he wants to turn into an NFL developmental program and get guys in early um, from their high school years and develop them. They are not doing that. Their mm-hmm. class is small. It's not. It doesn't have a lot of up end talent in it. And it doesn't seem to me that he's putting together a ton of effort to accumulate high school talent in the masses. It seems to me that he's trying to flip. He's trying to flip as many players out of the portal as possible to win as many games next year. But like, I don't have any confidence whatsoever that Deion Sanders is going to be the head coach of Colorado in 24 months. So to go out and go get and to go out and go get a five-star offensive tackle who frankly speaking is probably going to need two or three years before he comes into himself because it takes a long time for offensive linemen at the power five level to, to develop. What are we doing here? Like, that's the thing. I don't, it's like they have an offensive line problem, but like five-star freshman isn't going to fix your problem. Probably. Yes. I actually wrote about this earlier in the season in the context of Caden Proctor at Alabama, who was a huge recruit 
played for Alabama, a place that you have a lot of talent around you. You're not asked to come in there and be a savior, but he did win a starting job. He was splitting some time, but he was playing the majority of their snaps at left tackle. And his numbers were absolutely awful. <laughs> he uh, was performing on a level that was uh, not good. I think he had allowed more pressures than uh, I think any starting tackle uh, in the Power Five. It was it, the numbers were not good. So it takes a while. I think, and that, and I think the thing about that was, and that's not to say that he's not going to be good one exactly, day. It's an example exactly. of. I don't even think that's about him. I think that's about. Yeah. it's hard to start as a true freshman. Well, and that. So co- I think. Yeah. So I, I can get our, there is for some kids, there's still going to be a draw to being a part of Colorado and playing for Colorado and believing in the vision that Dion is selling. But what is that draw? It's not long term development of your left tackle skills. No, but Ari, there is still a sense of Colorado is the place to be and it's only going to be more intense next year. Whether or not that's true, it doesn't really matter. If the kids believe it, then that is a recruiting draw. Now, I'll say that to start. I think that's true. Colorado hasn't been the place to be for two months now. But it was, and then they started losing. And if you say, you see what happens when we're winning, you see how crazy that was, we're going to do that for a whole season. That's the pitch. And then we're yeah. going to put guys in the league. But I will say that. Now, I think that's a pitch, and that works on some kids. But I have two main thoughts on the Colorado situation. Like you mentioned, Dion doesn't really seem to be recruiting much outside of Boulder. And flipping one big kid a class is not enough. I think you've written about this a little bit. Um, and one offensive lineman doesn't fix your offensive line problems. They have they have a three-star Juco offensive lineman. That's their only other offensive line commit, unless I missed one. I was busy this last week. I think that's correct. Um, and then, So, like, yeah, he's probably going to start day one because he has to, but that doesn't mean Colorado suddenly has a good offensive line. There's going to be a learning curve there. There's five positions uh, on the offensive line. There's not just a left tackle. And you got to put it out there, too. And, and Lord hope that this doesn't happen to him, but you're one blown knee out away from being back where you started again. Pretty much. Like you're yeah. not building this the right way. Well, that's part of it too. I think what happens, Ari, and, and I, Dion is very like close to the vest about his recruiting strategy, but from what I see and from the people that I talk to, it seems like one of the things that they do is go all in on a big kid every year. Like Travis... They didn't really have a relationship and then started up like late in his senior year. And why year. can't they not do that with five kids like everyone else? It's a great question. It's a great question. There's a lot of time. But you in the go day. full court press on these kids. Full court press on Cormani McLean. You win that. Full court press on Travis Hunter. You win that. Now you go full court press on Jordan Seaton. I think they tried that with Bryce Underwood a little bit. It hadn't really, it doesn't seem like it's gained the same amount of traction. But. It seems like there is somewhat of an emphasis on, oh, we want to make a splash and get the biggest name and the biggest dude that we can get and not let's build out a it's full fake. class of of kids that we can get. And then I think it's like we want to get a big name and then yeah. flip a bunch of kids in the portal because you, I talked to a bunch of the Colorado guys, you know, last year, and most of them would say, hey, when I talked to Dion when I was in the portal, he says, hey, we think you're an NFL guy. We can get you there. That's like the. That seems like that's like the cornerstone of their pitch is we got a bunch of coaches with NFL backgrounds, guys who have played in the league, and, you know, that's that's a lot of what they're pitching. And they still don't have an OC. You know what I would love to see? What would you like to see? A 25-member class out of the high school ranks um, filled with players who rank in between three and 600, all at positions of need. So five offensive linemen, a quarterback, um, 
two of whom they've lost in the last two weeks in back-to-back days. Um, some receiver talent, maybe a, a, a top 100 corner, um, a top 100 up offensive tackle or whatever in a, in a nice, solid class that ranks 27th overall nationally. Um, well, this is where you get into the paradox of Dion, though, Ari, is he doesn't want to be patient. He's like, hey, you guys want to win now. We got to win now. How but do you, you win But you still now? need to do that. But that's what I'm saying. You want to win now, we got to go to the portal. But then when you go to the portal, your hit rate's only going to be, it's going to be lower than high school kids. You're going to be about 50%. That's most schools. Nobody's hitting much higher than that in the portal. If, if guys have become in and are good starters. So he's signing a 13-member class this year? Sustain. A what? A 13-member class this year and they're just going to hope for the best no, in the portal Ari, again? No. Yes. Yes. They're, they're going to sign. It's a yet. losing, losing effort, in my opinion. But here's but all right, they're trying to do it a different way. This is I mean, we're back to where we were in August. They're trying to build I know. I thought that year two would be no year two would be what's it'll, the next step? It'll trickle down a little bit. It will trickle down a little bit. I think he talked about this, this every year, year if you want it to be different in six years. Well, Dion talked about this 40, 40, 20 plan. Forty percent transfers, forty percent grad transfers, twenty percent high school. That was his plan coming in at Colorado. He's talked about this before. That's basically what he the did. Players that he's getting in the high school, the twenty. I know. Aren't I that know. great? And I'm, I'm not know. saying they won't be good, but like I, you know, even if you're only going to sign twelve to thirteen high school players in a class, and you're going to do the 40, 40, 20 thing, that sounds like a bacon, venison, beef burger combo. Like That's I good. don't. It does sound pretty good. <laughs> he doesn't seem to be working hard enough in the high school ranks. Still, like even if you're only going to get twelve or thirteen guys and go all in on those 10, 12 guys and sign a class that has six. Um, six top 250 players in it. And it's so worth noting, Ari, I, I, I preach this consistently. Continuity reigns in college football, and Dion is going to have some issues there. They uh, obviously are having a change at OC. We'll see if Pat Shermer, I don't think Pat Shermer is going to be the OC at, at uh, uh, Colorado next year. They're losing their offensive line coach. Nick Williams, one of their best recruiters, he was their key recruiter on like half of their class. He has gone to Syracuse, Shout out to Fran Brown, by the way, putting together one of the blackest staffs in America. Uh, don't talk about it. Be about it. Shout out Fran, uh, Fran Brown over there. Um, and so you you add up Vincent Dancy, who is a analyst quality control coach. I feel like these positions are sort of interchangeable. Somebody can tell me the difference between a quality control and an analyst. I'd love to hear it. It seems like it's the same thing. Um, Tim Brewster's obviously gone. He was demoted uh, after they brought up Pat Shermer. There's not a lot of continuity. That's four assistant changes, right? That's a lot. That's a lot. That's Deion Sanders said this to the USA Today. I get my wisdom from Nick Saban. There's not a year that goes by that Coach Saban doesn't lose how many coaches because they elevate. That's part of the game, and I want them to elevate. Is that what happened here? Well, that's a complicated question, isn't it? Because you demoted Sean Lewis, and then he gets a much better job. Nick Williams... I think you could. John Lewis case went that, to Colorado to get a P five job, right? Uh, I don't. I mean, in an ideal world, but I think we can both agree that San Diego State is a better job than Kent State by a pretty. Oh good sure, margin. yeah. So even though he was demoted, that's a win for him. So he was technically elevated, but you're the one who, you know, you didn't terminate him, but you demoted him, and then said you didn't want to demean him. But that's pretty demeaning to demote a guy that clearly a lot of people in the business see as a good coach. So he's up. Uh, Nick Williams is Colorado to Syracuse. That feels like a lateral move to me, Ari. It's not. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it feels like it. 
So no, I mean, that's kind of a silly, and Tim O'Boyle going from, or Bill O'Boyle, excuse me, following Sean Lewis to take the same job from Colorado to San Diego State. I think certainly Colorado would say that their job is better than San Diego State. And there's certainly a difference between Nick Saban's assistant coaches getting hired at five times. Yeah, Dan Lanning going to Oregon is not the same. It's not the same (laughs) thing as a player, as an assistant coach bolting to be the offensive coordinator or whatever at, at Syracuse. Uh, it's not, that's not the way it works. So, um, okay. Lastly, uh, let's talk quickly about the Heisman. I wish that we could have, um, a more in-depth conversation about who we voted for and why, or I wish there was some wonder of who's going to win. It seems very clear, uh, based on the Las Vegas odds and the way that the season ended that Jaden Daniels is going to win this award, but we'll see how it goes. Um, my Heisman draft was Quinn Ewers, Sam Hartman, Jalen Milrow, and Travis Hunter. Um, I like my draft. It didn't work out for me, but I still think that people voted for Milrow. I might actually get some points for that one. Quinn Ewers got injured in the middle of the year, and you know Sam Hartman's team didn't do what it had. And then I said the value pick of Travis Hunter. Um, you had Jordan Travis, um, Blake Corum, Connor Wegman, and Braylon Allen. Uh, I take I upside the, with my late-round picks. Yeah, I think that... Uh, you know, those were all pretty good picks, and I can kind of like go back and see the the route there. Mm-hmm. And you know, I actually can't say this, wink, wink, but I think Jordan Travis made it on at least one person's ballot. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we'll see. He didn't. He's not I a think finalist. He made it on a few. Yeah, yeah. He, he and he deserved to be on a few, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So, um, anyway, is there anything about the um, Heisman finalists that struck you, or is it just kind of like a uh, no, weird. I mean, I think it, we, we've kind of known what the field was going to be for about a month. It sort of settled itself, and then we said, hey, we got two games at the end of the season that are probably going to sort out how this plays out in Oregon and Washington and Michigan and Ohio State. And you saw uh, you know, Ohio State lose. I think if Marvin Harrison had a huge game in that game, it would have been very interesting. And then you saw Oregon lose. Bo Nix, you know, seemed to be the leader uh, as a favorite. It was right there for him. Didn't get it done. And meanwhile, Jaden Daniels has been racking up crazy numbers. I sent Ari this text, and Ari rolled his eyes at me. Go compare Jaden Daniels' numbers to Johnny Football in 2012. They're better. They're better. You and I and vote Ari, differently. We vote I, differently. Yes, we do. We do. Yeah. Um, you actually me, voted yeah. in a way that you used to mock, and it kind of bothers me. What? To be honest. What? You you are a, you you no, bought into stats, buddy. That's what you did. No, for two things. No, 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 no. It's not about buying did. into stats. No, it's not about buying into stats. It's all you're okay? talking about. You can't. I nobody listening to this podcast can go back and list a single play that that Jaden Daniels made this year that was a season play that will be stuck with the you touchdown. Forever. The touchdown run that he had, the eighty yard touchdown run, was absolutely sick. Okay. No, he, I'm not saying he, that he didn't have good plays. I'm saying memorable season defining. But that's not his fault because his team lost. Story. His team lost early season games, which killed their relevance. Buddy, people didn't make. Why didn't you vote for Marvin Harrison on your ballot then? If winning and losing doesn't matter, it's not consistent. It's not about win- it's not about winning and losing, and it's not about like you've got to like numbers are a part of it, right? Dominance is a part of it. Uh, Eye popping plays are a part of it. I-, I don't have a problem with that. He wasn't on the situation. field when they blew the game to Alabama. Um, he was on was the that? field when Keon Coleman 
and Florida State ate their lunch on national mm-hmm. television. Um, what was what was the moment? Like I, I don't I just don't see. I reject the concept of Heisman moments just for the. Record. No, I think what you was, lean into that. What was the moment where you're like, yeah, that's the guy. Uh, I because think everybody whenever- else lost games. Which no, is funny about, because you're dismissing losses on his resume? It's not it about no losing, sense. Aren't, No, it's not about losing. It's about why did you lose? Is it fair to say that Bo Nix and his performance was a huge reason why Oregon lost the Pac-12 title game? I think so. Yeah. Well, that's a problem for me as a voter, okay? And I think Jaden Daniels, it's not his fault. Did Ohio State lose game. to Michigan because of Marvin Harrison's performance? No, but he's a receiver, and I don't think receivers have that acute an impact on a team's bottom line. Sometimes they Harrison, do. Was Marvin Harrison on your ballot? No, he was not. Why not? He was the single most outstanding think- player on the in the in the country this year. Scored a touchdown in like eight straight games, and Ohio State would have lost three times if he wasn't on their team. You really believe they would have lost three yes. times if he was not on their team? That's crazy, Ari. That's crazy. No, he's had, think, he he was like their entire offense this year, bro. They still beat Penn State without him. His his entire it's close. His entire presence on the field opened up everything else that they got this year. I I don't know. I just like I don't understand how when you're thinking about the most outstanding player or the best player, how mm-hmm. you could pick a player, stats or not, that was out of the national discussion in week four. It's because his defense is terrible. That's not his fault. It's just not his fault. I'm not saying it is, but that's the way the, the the award works. My way, the voting is the most outstanding player that you could could not possibly leave out if you were telling the story of the season. You could leave out Jaden Daniels and nobody would notice. I think that's a fair thing. It doesn't matter if you were if you were that if, productive and you are playing in a Johnny football didn't go undefeated the year that he won it, but you could not tell the story of college football that year without him. He didn't have to go undefeated, though. That's why. I'm, that's what I'm talking about. The wins and losses are not. I know, but they, they lost the games that year. They didn't make. They lost two the national games. title games. Two games, I think. Two of their first three. Yeah, and he was the entire season because of who he was and what he was doing and where he was doing it. But he was also like, freakishly productive. You cannot compare productive. him to Johnny Manziel and then ignore what yes, that man can. was for the sport that year. Yes, you. Yeah, but you can. Are you can be that to the sport, and and that's. Special in its own way. He was the, the most entertaining player to, to watch, I think, ever. Yeah, come on now. Come you think they're gonna be making Jaden Daniels documentaries in ten years? But Ari, how much of that was because of Johnny's like smack talk? That's and the part way that of he it. Dealt with. That's how you win the Heisman by being a fixture that's in the silly. sport that everyone's now, talking silly. about. You're mocking me for the stats, and you're like. But Johnny should win the Heisman because he talks. Johnny smack. was That's a insane. lightning bolt that captured the entire country's attention. Yes, but he did it, and he was productive. You have to be productive. He I won know. because he was productive. Jaden Daniels was productive and didn't win and didn't get noticed. He did get noticed because he's going to win. Yeah, um, I just like I feel like there's got to be something more to it to me than awesome stats, and that's all he has. There's nothing else that you can say. You you can't say that he did anything other than not lose because of him. If he had awesome stats, Ari, and he, he already was does, throwing, he has incredible stats. Hang on, if he had awesome stats and he's throwing red zone picks in in you know losing in losing the game, and he has a top forty defense, that's a problem for me. He would. I don't care about his final numbers. There's nothing that you can say outside of, of numbers that he did other 
than the negative, which is they didn't lose because of him. Don't tell you me realize they that didn't. Ari, those numbers aren't pulled out of a hat. They're the accumulation of everything that you did on the field for the full season. I know, that but matters. didn't he score seven touchdowns against Georgia State? They're all it's stats can be <laughs> can be twisted up and spit out any way you want. Marvin Harrison no, Jr. Can't. was sitting on the bench in the middle of the third quarter for half the games this year. It doesn't it does and he didn't even make my ballot. Mm-hmm. Why? Because his team lost the one game on their schedule they couldn't lose. Because winning and losing matters, doesn't it? That's what they say. What yeah, they say. not to you. I just like <laughs> outside of the numbers, it's like if you can't explain to me what he did that was an incredibly great, then how could he be your most outstanding player? I think consistently being productive and not being the reason why your team loses games and you look up at the end of the season and you say historically this is one of the great seasons that we have seen in the sec i think that's enough for me this will be the first time a heisman winner will have a year that i can't recall a single play off the top of my head yeah it'll be the first but, uh, time that's, that's ever happened in, that's that's in part uh an issue with um you know the rest of the field this was not a really strong heisman field don't blame jane daniels for that blame bo nix blame michael Penix. blame marvin harrison jr for not being more productive. Here are the finalists because we didn't say it funny enough. Bo Nix, Michael Penix Jr., Marvin Harrison Jr., and Jaden Daniels. Um, Penix is the person with the second best odds, and he, I believe, is 9-1. to one. Um, That was an interesting discussion. Um, obviously, the push and pull between Jaden Daniels and everybody else exists with not just you, Dave, but a lot of other people. It looks like he is going to win. Why don't we go over to the interview that we had uh, with Alec Lewis, um, our NFL Vikings beat reporter, who has an interesting story that he's working on about Jane Daniels. And of course, uh, the story of innovation and change is sponsored by Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Let's go to that interview now. Thank you so much for joining the show, Alec. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm great. Thank you guys for having me. I, uh, it's it's uh, it's an honor. Uh, David went to Mizzou long before, not that, not, not that much longer before I did. So I've read David since... Uh, I can remember, honestly. So it's it's great. And I'm ready to was, too. I was actually mafia. at the gym uh, Thursday morning, believe it or not, uh, on the treadmill. And this person that I've gotten to know just by seeing every day in the gym, like we started following each other on Instagram. And she came up to me and she goes, so you write for The Athletic? And I was like, she goes, that's pretty cool. She goes, yeah, I went to Mizzou, so I know a few journalists out there. And I was like, do you know David Ubbett? And she goes, uh, yeah, I went to his wedding. And I was like, okay, <laughs> great. Uh, that's so that's how, that's how my day is going. So let's talk, speaking of the future and all the crazy stuff that happens in this world, Alec, you did a really good story about um, how LSU partnered with a German-based company called Cognolize, which apparently is a VR headset that allows quarterbacks to put this thing on and simulate actual games. And you know, LSU seems to swear by it, and it seems like it's had a – pretty impactful uh, situation for for Jaden Daniels development as he you know might win the Heisman this weekend what is this story and how did LSU find it yeah so Jack Marucci who used to be LSU's trainer like that was his title athletic trainer and he's also the founder of Marucci Sports which is the back company that a lot of people know about um was elevated a couple years ago into this title where it's director of innovation and he essentially his job is to like filter through as many potential um, opportunities to be able to I don't know help players develop and help them grow and for a long time he's been fascinated by the cognitive space and neuroscience as it relates to 
on-field uh, football field decision making for guy for quarterbacks uh, for other positions. And um, he's long wanted to be able to like simulate the real thing in a way that is better maybe and 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 maybe an addendum to what they do in practice. And so he's worked. He's, he's fielded, um, I'd say, inquiries from a lot of companies over time. And this German-based company uh, developed beginning in 2019 in the soccer space. He got connected with beginning this season uh, in the spring. And really, they, they beta tested this product and kind of built it out throughout the season. Jaden first started using the product uh, in the week leading up to Mi- Mi- Mississippi State, the Mississippi State game. And he swears by it helping him make decisions and kind of prepare himself for for these games on Saturdays. And, and so, yeah, it's fascinating. Uh, I'm sure I could maybe dig into it a little bit more, but it's the best way I know to describe it from talking to the, the founders and Jack Marucci is imagine as if you are placed at the quarterback position in the middle of a video game and your vantage point is the quarterback and the, the, the players around you are moving like real live people would be um, on a, on a, uh, on a field. You know, Jaden has is, is got himself well-positioned to win the Heisman Trophy this year. Um, LSU's had some pretty good success with quarterbacks uh, doing that. But when you look at his game, Alec, where was it most affected by using Cognolize and, 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 you know, having this be a part of what he did to prepare for games? Yeah, so Joe Sloan, LSU's quarterback coach, said to me, he's like, Jaden for years has been like an average above average thrower of the football. And, and, and this year he was just at the level the elite level that you guys know more than I, because you, you guys watch college football more than I do. But I mean, his downfield accuracy, um, some of the, the downfield throwing rates. I mean, I, I went through some of the metrics against different coverages and just in general, and it is as high level as you're going to see, it doesn't really make much sense. And so, Speaking to Jack and and other people in that building, uh, such as Joe Sloan, the quarterbacks coach, asking them how the product helped Jaden. Essentially, what they're able to do is 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 place you uh, and, and simulate the game at a speed that is faster than what you see on Saturdays. So he has to go through his reads and process things faster. To when he gets to the game on Saturday, it's almost um, a slower type moving. I mean, things are moving around him slower than it would be when he's wearing this device. And really what Cognolize is, is not the VR headset in general. It's the technology that is funneled through the VR headset. And so um, they were really able to integrate LSU's entire playbook. So what Jaden sees in the headset is what LSU's players run on the field and the defenses that they face that week uh, are, are moving around in the coverage ways that they, they, they move around on Saturday. I don't know if that makes a ton of sense to you, but essentially he was like playing the game before he played the game at a speed that was faster than what he would see in a game. And so it just, I think, prepared, it, it developed his ability to move his scan his eyes across the field and find receivers in certain spots. The robots are coming for us, guys. Like We're, we're, we're doomed. I've seen enough AI movies to know how this, this story ends. Um, I mean, that's pretty crazy when you think about how they, it's not just like, you know, I remember back when I was covering Ohio State like seven or eight years ago, they had this thing where like lights would pop up. And like you'd have to like hit the lights. I don't remember what that was called, mm-hmm. but it was like a way to like increase your cognitive ability and your an- high an- uh, eye hand eye coordination. And like this is incredible because it's not just um, a game, but also integrating the actual plays that you run. Is that kind of how it works to the best of your like knowledge of like not only are you in this AI world or whatever or this fictional world. 
you're also running the same exact stuff that you're actually going to run. Exactly. So LSU staff would take the play sheet that they would get every single week and on multiple days, and they would funnel that play sheet to the, the, the founders in Germany of Cognolize, who would then integrate those plays um, into the, 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 the technology so that on the Wednesday before a game, there would be certain plays they would be using that week that Jane would now be seeing and visualizing, um, uh, and, and they would change every week depending on who they were playing. It was like if Mississippi State is a big cover four team, the defense you would see in the headset that week uh, would be playing a lot of cover four, and their safeties would be reacting the way they would on Saturday. And and so, I mean, I was told that they they kind of took this product to one of the NFL quarterbacks um, during the season who who looked at it and was like. I mean, I, I would never put this down. Like they were able, like in terms of how it would prepare you. The other element of it is you're not physically taxing your body. You're not having to stand in the pocket and take hits, uh, and you're not having to use your arm to throw the football down the field thirty times in practice. So you, you don't know? actually throw the ball while you're using it. You don't throw the ball. No, it is just you have um, the VR technology headset, uh, and then. I don't know what you the little. I, I'm thinking about we like you said. It's like a little yeah, the little clicker. Thing. Yeah, right. To, to simulate throwing the football, but you're not actually throwing the football downfield. Now, I was told that they can uh, structure the headset to where you could literally um, simulate a, an 100-yard length field. So Jaden could theoretically like take off out of the pocket and run 100 yards uh, from the goal line if they wanted to set it up that way. But obviously, you, you don't have a ton of space if you're using it inside or, or on a 50-yard a, a turf field. Mm-hmm. I was disappointed to learn that in Fruit Ninja, you don't actually get a samurai sword person. Yeah. So maybe, maybe soon. I, I think it begs the question, um, before we see this on season two of quarterback, Alec, uh, this version of, of the cute of the quarterback development, what made him wait until the Mississippi state game to, to use it? Yeah. So they really, it wasn't built out enough. Um, so kind Crazy. of the way Jack Marucci at LSU described it is when they brought it in, uh, Cognolize and the German founders brought it in in March and they first tried it on like it was a double A level minor league team. And then by the time Jaden started using it, I mean, it's major league, like they developed it that much. They integrated the play sheet. Um, Verena and Christian, who are the co founders of the product, knew some about football, but they didn't know that in cover four, the safety drives down on a dig concept. And if you're trying to really simulate the game, you have to learn all of that. And then obviously on the back end, code it into the product. So um, Joe Sloan, the quarterback's coach, said to me, like one of his early hesitations and uh, worries was like that they were going to funnel it into and, and, and implement it earlier than it probably was cap- ready. But given the work that Christian Verena and, and Cognolize put in uh, and Jack Marucci and Mario Macaluso and people in that building, it was ready. And he used it that game and I think went 30 of 34 that day for 361 passing yards and two touchdowns. And from there, um, you guys know and the listeners know way more than I do. He's um, he, he had a year that we'll remember, probably talk about for a long time. I remember that game, Ari, the Mississippi State game. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, talking about this is an interesting reminder of like we just got done having a debate about whether or not I think he should win the Heisman. <laughs> and I don't think that he should. Just based on, you know, how I vote. But that doesn't mean that I don't think that he had a tremendous year and is a great athlete and is going to be very successful into the future. Um, And watching him develop over the year, I mean, it did seem like I remember on this show, one of the talking points going into the year 
was can Jaden Daniels be a star for this team? Do you remember that, Dave? Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, I think I mean, that without without a question, that actually came true. And Joe Sloan has done a tremendous job in his yeah. his development and is a hell of a coach and probably will be a head coach one day. So, Alec, appreciate you being on here. And, of course, a reminder, too, that this was a story of innovation and change brought to you by Invesco QQQ. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it. All right, guys. Thanks so much, Alec. That was awesome. Um, thank you all for listening to the latest edition of Until Saturday. Um, we want to always thank you for your attention in a world where there's a lot of content and you know reasons for your eyeballs to stray. The fact that you continue to listen to us means a lot to us. Um, please subscribe to the podcast feed wherever you listen to podcasts so that you'll be notified when new le- episodes are up. And we always appreciate a five-star rating and review. Um, hit the, sub- the subscribe button. And I don't know why every time I do this, I just can't say subscribe correctly, but it happens every time. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube um, where we will be streaming our Sunday Sound Off podcast on Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern. And subscribe to the Until Saturday newsletter. All the links are in the show's description. We appreciate you, and we will catch you on Sunday. And please bring back this